0: Radio Influence.
1: Dot com. Hey gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry Petuck. Brandon, what's going on, my brother? Yo. I know uh, you've had a busy week, and and I'm really excited to get to our guest. We'll we'll get to him here like really quick, but uh, before we do, I want to thank him. Uh, We were just talking before we started recording. Uh, We were supposed to do this interview a couple days ago, and I I think uh, when we recorded on Monday for Tuesday's episode, I I talked about the dog getting sick and having to reschedule an interview, and it was with our guest this week. So first and foremost, Jarrett Reddick, lead singer of Bowling for Soup. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, man, thanks for having me. And, you know, I, uh, you know, I have a life. I've got kids that get sick and a wife that gets sick and three dogs and a cat. And uh, it is always something. So but I, I, I am the perfect guy to have to reschedule with 100 percent.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I mentioned it on Monday that uh, my little dog who never gets sick proceeded to have an allergic reaction to something and um, was basically uh, Linda Blair from The Exorcist for about an hour. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jared, thank you so Uh, much for for may may I retort? Absolutely.
0: Uh, I have three dogs, Uh, a Mastiff, but weighs 130 pounds. I have a boxer Mastiff who weighs 100 and then a Yorkie. And they all got into something last week and all three of them had diarrhea. they're, They're crate trained when we're not home or when we sleep. And so not only did they poop or did, can we cuss on here? Go for it. Right. Oh, yeah. Hell, but yeah. Not only did they shit on the carpet, uh, you know, when they were out, but then they shit in the, their beds during the <laughs> night and just were in it. And oh. it was rough. so when you were like, I've got a sick dog or whatever. I was like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> say no. more. Go take care of that. Oh,
1: I can't even imagine a hundred pound dog with the shits.
0: It's, it, it is, and it smell, it, it is so, it is like something comes out of them. I don't know what it is about my mastiff, but it's not normal. It, it really is. It's, I, I've never smelled death, but I, I'm putting this up against, this up against death anytime. I, I listen to a lot of, uh, true crime podcasts and they're always talking about the stench, the smell of death. There's no way it compares to this. If it does, then I don't, then my God, first responders, you all just, you're angels. Okay. okay,
1: well, allow me to retort. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of the smell of death, uh, my mom used to live in an apartment next door to a little old lady who passed away, unfortunately, but nobody found her for 10 days. Mm. And we're down here in Tampa, Florida, where the heat and the humidity is ridiculous. Yep. So, I know that smell, and that smell yeah. sucks. It's a bad yeah,
0: smell. You're in Tampa? Yeah. All right. So my uh, my friends, the Dolly Rots are in Tampa and uh, I am in a band with Kelly. So I'm I'm actually down in Tampa quite a bit. Well, not anymore, because now I just am here. But uh, when back when I I had a life and I could leave my house. um, I'm in Tampa quite a bit. Well, that's cool.
1: Next time you're in town, we'll have to uh, get together for some uh, coffee or some alcohol or some dinner
0: or something like that. I like all of that except coffee.
2: Oh, that's strange. Wait, that's that's like un-American.
0: Yeah, I'm super weird. So I don't like warm liquids, um, but okay, I, I guess
1: I, I should have clarified because I'm an iced coffee guy.
0: OK, but I can't see it. So I still don't like that. But I also am very weird. I don't like bacon and I don't like pie. I'm a picky fat kid, which was really, really tough growing up because <laughs> you, know, you just see the fat kid and you're like, OK, we could just put anything in front of this guy. No, I, I just wasn't like that. Um, and uh, I'm still not in some things. But, yeah, coffee's not my thing. But you know what? We could go to coffee and I'll get a iced tea or something. I was gonna say yeah, wait, I, you don't like bacon. Like, I really? don't. Like, I, don't. Dude, I know, dude. I I actually have had people like consider our friendship because of my dislike for bacon. I just don't like. <laughs> it. I,
2: it's it's so funny because you know how we met, uh, Jerry, is through our friend uh, Diego. Yep. Um, Diego hates mayonnaise so much that he, right. if it's in his presence, he's offended and he gets angry and i'm like i'm like bro you i mean it's very common you have mayonnaise you got ketchup and mustard i mean that's pretty much it it's going to yep. be everywhere we go and we'd be on tour and stuff and he would like he'd always check everything to see if there was mayonnaise on it and and he, <laughs> i remember this one time they fucked up his order and he found mayonnaise on it and he, and he was in the front lounge and literally took the sandwich and fucking tossed it and he was just oh, so pissed oh, out of wow. rage <laughs>
0: Yeah, we uh, we 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 used to have a saying back in the day because I'm not a mayonnaise hater, uh, but I don't think it belongs on hamburgers. And uh, so we would be going through the um the drive-through back in the van days or whatever, and it'd be like it'd be fine, but one person, I, I'm like, okay, can I just order six or seven of these things? And we all, yeah, but I'll take mine with mayonnaise. And so I would always say, mayonnaise breaking up the band. <laughs> <laughs> Mayo is the new Yoko.
1: <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. And, and before we get into the, you know, the meat of the the podcast, "Bowling for Soup," where in the hell did that name come from?
0: Well, um, you know, back in the day, we got asked this. Obviously, we get asked this. I'll oh, so you guys lot. have
1: got to get asked that like 15 times a day.
0: Um, it's a lot, but you know, the, and then so back in the day, we got asked it so much, we had a game where we would we would try to always say something different. You know, so that like each time. So you'd be like, um Chris, the best one ever was our guitar player Chris one time was asked, like, Where'd you get the name Bulling Soup? And he just he just goes, We stole it off a dead guy. And uh so <laughs> I always really liked that one. Uh, but no, it, it actually is um Probably more close to something that you know than you think. Uh, Steve Martin, the actual arena stand-up comedian, the first guy ever to stand, be, do stand-up comedy in an arena who is a huge actor now, very, very big star. Uh, he did comedy albums back when we were kids, and he had one called Wild and Crazy Guy. And most people have seen the pictures of him with the arrow through his head or the, or the rabbit ears. That's from that show. And in it, he's talking about a television show he's working on called Bowling for Shit. And uh, so, our our bands, the four of us, were all in other bands when we started Bowling for Soup. Everybody kind of dis- disbanded, so to speak, at the same time due to you know college, growing up, girlfriends, things like that. And so, as we were starting the band, our uh, our drummer. You know jokingly said one day like you know We it was the last show of mine in his Band uh previous to this And he just said come see our new band called Bowling for Soup and uh we Honestly we just could never top it So, oh, so it it's uh, stuck you know, it's funny. It's a stupid name. I get that. It's a, it's a, it's ridiculous. But the thing about it is, and this is the gods on a street. You will never forget it. You know, like there's bands now that are called like end of the unknown. And this guy is dead over there. And they're, you know, there's, they're just like all of these band names now. And to me, they all sound so similar that I can, as you know, and I don't want to say one and make fun of something that a band that my friends are in or something you probably like that. already did, but I probably already did. Yeah. <laughs> It's a small world, this music thing, (laughs) uh, but anyway, you know, I, it, it just kind of, and, and again, you know, when you're, when you're starting a band in 1994 and you're all kids and you don't necessarily think that one day, 26 years later, you're going to be sitting in your house, you know, in quarantine talking about the name of the band. Cause you know, it's sort of almost even an afterthought back then. We've got to call it something, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: I was fun. Yeah, that's funny. We were I, I, I used to be a singer and we had a jam band here in Tampa that we jokingly called Tuna on Toast. No crust.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, 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 but and the no crust. Yeah, the later. no crust thing not, had not, to stick. Not. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a guy there's a musician from uh, from the UK called Beans on Toast. And uh, he actually does really well, but you would think that he would be like silly, but he's actually super political. And uh so yeah that's the discussion that we're going to have today about band names.
1: What's <laughs> next? Yes. Well I I had no idea that you guys went all the way back to 94 not that I'm calling you old. How did all of that how, how did all of that come together? I mean were you guys <laughs> just boys in high
0: school or Uh, Kind of. Uh, Chris and I knew each other when we were kids because his brother was my age. His brother actually passed away when we were in high school. And uh, so I I wouldn't say that we were friends, but we knew one another. And um, our original drummer was my best friend since uh, we were five years old. And essentially, Chris Bernie started a coffee shop. Just god this 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 uh interview is already so circular (laughs) but he started a coffee shop and uh that it was basically to give kids a play a safe place to go it was actually sponsored by a church at the time but he started having bands and so our bands played there at the same time so we all got to know one another chris and eric played in a band together and me and lance played in a band together and um Honestly, you know, as I said, mine and Lance's band was called Cool Fork before this, and it was breaking up because our bass player, you know, who was kind of the main dude in the band at the time, was moving, and uh, so I, I already thought I wanted to be in a band with Eric because he could sing, and and you know, he, uh, he, I just he he was kind of just this really great musician out and about town and he kind of had this mysterious thing to him and the original idea was to start the punk rock beatles i wanted everybody to be able to sing so you had to be able to sing to be in the band um and then it's just interesting one day cool fork was recording our last stuff just to get everything down and chris burney came by and he and i actually i didn't drink but we we found common interest in zima for some reason. And that, Jolly Ranchers, Jolly Ranchers. There were no Jolly Ranchers yet. <laughs> just you,
2: are, you didn't dunk the Jolly Ranchers in yeah. the bottom and make a change color and shit like we that? Nothing.
0: I didn't know yet. I was uneducated. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, man, and we became fast friends, and I was just like, dude, I just want to hang with this guy all the time. And man, that it was for something to do. We were from a small town, Wichita Falls, Texas, and a, a lot of our friends were already getting in trouble. You know, me and Chris had just finished college, And uh, it was just a good way to just you know keep yourself busy, but keep yourself out of the freaking you know the insanity that is you know Methville, Texas. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean you know the rest is history. We we literally you know a few years in decided you know what man give this a shot. I think we might be onto something. And uh, turns out we were. Things uh you know again we just celebrated twenty six years. Uh, exactly we're we're exactly 26 years and one month old today actually
2: wow wow you guys uh still planning on um uh you know touring and making new music and stuff like that
0: absolutely i mean we're you know we actually canceled many many dates uh due to this covid thing and Mm -hmm. uh lost quite a bit of revenue luckily the uh you know the government sees us as a small business and we were able to get some get you know get some relief for, for that so so we're okay um and uh, but yeah, uh, we're we actually have tons of new music. We just released a, a a new cover called "Erase Me." It's a cover of the Kid Cudi song, and uh, hmm. an upcoming rapper named Ten K Cash is uh, is is guesting on it. And we have our second greatest hits coming out, um, which takes us through I believe two thousand and ten, and then uh, we're recording a new album in September. But, you know, and and I mean, we would be on tour right this minute, actually, if we were able to. So we're still going strong. That's
2: awesome. I I, I talk about this a lot, actually, because um all the all the people that are affected by covid right now and, uh you know, I'm getting emails because I used to tour manage and I'm getting emails from all the bus companies, all the private coaches and prevosts and stuff out there. They're trying to take families to picnics and. Do yeah. men's like golf golf outings and stuff right now just just to put money in the bank, you know? Because those buses are just sitting there, yeah. And I feel really bad for crew members because in between tours and whatnot, you know, you're 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 jumping you're jumping from tour to tour. And when you don't have something for a few weeks or six okay. weeks or something like that, you know, you go to your local venue, right? Exactly. And and and, and, and stagehand and stuff like that, or do lighting there, whatever the case may be. you mm-hmm. Can't even do that right now. So, so I really feel for those guys.
0: Luckily, you know, there's there's things out there. I mean, I've been doing a bunch of charity shows and my main charity that I'm that I'm focused on is music cares. And luckily, music cares has been doing a bunch of stuff for uh, out of work crew guys out of work. Um, just like because the thing you don't think about is, you know, you and I obviously touring bands, you tour with Diego, you're a TM. So, you, you know, you know, like that this side of the business where we're at like i yep. i'm really lucky i can make a living i could literally make a living just playing shows on the internet for really as long as i need to i'll i'll mm-hmm. be okay plus i have you know other stuff that i do it's that dude that plays covers you know on wednesdays in las vegas mm-hmm. and yeah. in san francisco on fridays and things like that and the guy that plays at the sandwich shop that like those dudes were making a living being a musician and they mm-hmm. have Zero opportunity, you know, right. right? And yeah. so, um,
2: Same with the support, you know, all the support acts that, that come right. along, yep. you know, you yep. know that are in the vans as opposed to the bus. You know, they're, they're I mean, you're they're eating, you know, ramen noodles dry already as it is on tour. Yeah. <laughs> now there's no shows to play. So,
0: you know, the, the uh, up and coming bands have the greatest opportunity in the history of music coming up. And I'll tell you why, because it takes a big machine, say, like Il Nino or Bowling for Soup, you know, we can't just book a show next month and show up. Like once we decide to start playing, we're still 10 months, a year out from a show pretty much, you know, because mm-hmm. it takes promotion and, and you know, yeah. getting logistics and production and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have all of these venues open up just trying to get bodies in the door that are going to need these up and coming bands who don't necessarily have followings yet, but want to just get out there and bust their ass. And so, you know, those ones that that are hungry for it, I, I do believe uh, best opportunity for up and coming live bands is is in the near future. And um, so we'll see how it goes.
1: Well, how much has the, you know, the Internet changed things you were talking about, you know, playing mm. concerts, streaming and stuff like that. And you see you've seen a lot of that over the last yeah. couple of months with you know, the whole pandemic and lockdown and all of that crap. I mean, that, that's got to be a game
0: changer. Well, first of all, you know, the internet changed things, you know, much earlier than that. I mean, you know, when we were a band, we were a we were an up and coming band in the 90s. So back then, you still just got in the van and drove around and played shows. That's what you did. And most of the time, there was nobody there. The idea was to go play a place and you hoped that 10 people latched on to you. You could go party with them after the show and the next time you came there were 25 and you just kept doing that over and over and over and that worked for us. You know, we did it regionally and then we started to do it nationally. The regional touring, supported (laughs) the national touring, and so on and so on. Um, When they – now, a band like the girls that I manage, Not Your Girlfriends, for example, they want a tour, but you – now I'm like, you don't tour unless you can put bodies in there. It's no, no longer the – people don't go to shows anymore for discovery. The, the, the music fan doesn't need to go out and go, hey, I'm going to go – this club's got four bands. I'm going to go watch and see You know if any of them are any good. They don't need to do that. In fact, they will show up for the one they want to see and then leave because they've already researched all that stuff. So now – being in a band is more about building yourself up on the social medias, building your brand, making sure that you are marketing yourself, you know, as as a band, as as a unit, as a business, and um, and finding creative ways to get people to pay attention to you. So, in to, the first part of my answer is how the internet changed, and it could, I could fucking do a whole three hours just on that. Obviously, I like to talk, but this the second half of your question is. You know I started doing live stream shows back in two thousand and nine when stage it became a thing. And I did it for a couple of years. i had I had some decent success with it. But then I just fell off. I mean, I think my motivation was not there. And really, it's it was just hard to get people to watch you on the internet. And now, being forced to do it, I've seen that business come back. i I feel like I was early jumping into it doing my you know i did 50 shows on stage it since march 19th i've done over wow. 70 shows online since march you know for charities and and uh, telethons or whatever they call them these days things like that um but so but now people have discovered well wait a minute it's actually not that bad to put this show on my television get in my underwear and sit and watch this this is cool you know and so um, now what you've got is you've got big players like Live Nation, Ticketmaster, you know, AG, AG are going to start doing things like streaming and making – so the 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 world is literally your stage uh, at this point. So it'll be interesting to see as we come out of this – because and I think we will – where we get back to being able to go to shows and things like that, still how much uh, people will watch on the internet and um, – you know, on on their TV and and uh, because, you know, they're now they're like, OK, this isn't that bad. So, you know, uh, Bowling for Soup is planning a really big one right now. And uh, we'll, we're going to do a show with full production and and all of that for you to watch from the convenience of your own home.
1: I would say that's awesome. And, and you know, you're seeing, you know, a lot, a lot of questions now about whether. You know, movie theaters or things like that are even going to reopen, and you know, now movies that opened up in the theater for for big productions are now going the streaming route. So, I, you know, I, I definitely think, like you said, that's kind of where everything's headed.
0: Yeah, it's a you know the movie thing, I, you know that boggles my mind because I can't imagine not being able to go take my family to the movies, but these are big businesses with really high dollar screens and really high dollar sound and things like that. So if people don't support it, you know, what's going to happen to that world? Because yeah, it is cool to watch it stream a movie at your house. It's cool to stream a concert at your house, but man, it's cool to go watch, you know, star Wars in the theater. It's cool to go see, you know, a band. I'm just sitting here looking at Brandon's wall and it's like, <laughs> if you've ever seen Slipknot live? You know, you can just imagine like you I can't imagine it being anywhere near like the experience in your it's living room.
2: It's true. It's true because when they came out with their new uh, their latest album. Yeah. They uh they broadcasted live uh not fest. I think it was in Mexico. When they, when they were in Mexico and I, you know, I stayed up real, real fucking late to watch it mm. and end up not watching the entire thing because uh, it got too late. But, you know, I turned the volume up. It was good. Um, But it's just not the same as being at that show. Man, they're crazy.
0: You know, I I was like, oh, okay. so this is the greatest live band that's ever lived. I was just (laughs) I mean, I was like this pop punk guy who, you know, was just walking around a festival because people didn't know who I was yet. And I thought let's just watch this. And I could not get enough of it. I just that, you know, it's more of a theatrical performance, but you would have to see them live to understand it. So, yes. so back to movies. I, I hope that I really hope that it balances out that they kind of figure it out, you know. But uh, yeah. we'll, you know, uh, it's scary. It's scary for a band, much like it's scary for band management, much like it's scary for for promoters. And then you then you got to go to actors and directors, and you know, and all these people is like we, you know, sustaining income is uh, is in question.
2: Yeah. Well to to kind of uh piggyback on the um on the music stuff um you know songs like yours and bands like yours pretty much you know i grew up on all this stuff right so Mm. i i kind of feel like all the american pie movies raised me yeah (laughs) even though (laughs) i even though i totally had sex before all those guys in the movie but whatever
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> now you, but see, you know what's funny about that is that, that skipped a generation because the, uh, there are my generation. We had porkies and and yeah. movies that where or in uh, risky business and things like that revenge of the nerds even which is so rapey but uh and then like the 90s really didn't have those like teenage movie things or whatever until the american pie franchise and all of that so um yeah you're you're uh you, you hit, hit it at the right time that's for sure hey hit it at the right time <laughs>
1: I'd say I've got a love-hate relationship with those American Pie movies. I uh, I spent a month in the hospital back in 2007, and every night that goddamn movie American Pie was on some channel. It was it was like everywhere, yeah. and, and like it, it just kind of it, it was like Groundhog Day. I felt like Bill Murray every night. I'd flip the TV on as I'm laying there in the hospital, not able to do anything, and fucking American Pie was on TV, and it's like. Oh. Oh. You could anyway. do worse than
0: Shannon Elizabeth naked. I'm gonna be honest. Like, yeah, uh, but
1: once you get past that, what, four and a half minutes of the movie?
0: Yeah. It's a good four and a half minutes. Man. <laughs>
1: oh, it's strong. Yeah. She's she's she's
0: talented. Yeah. Waco Texas girl.
1: By <laughs> by so, you know, yeah. you and Brandon kinda, you know, you obviously come from the music background. Talk a little bit about being on the road. I know, you know, we've talked to other musicians in the past. Some love it, some hate being on the road, some of the struggles. And, you know, we, we've we talked before with, like I said, with other other folks that, you know, all the normal person sees is the glitz and glamour of the stage. You yeah. know, they see the lights They're They're enamored by the fans. But a lot of people don't realize the work that really goes into it.
0: Sure. I mean, you can sort of you can sort of sum that up really easily. And when you bring somebody backstage for the first time and how absolutely unimpressed they are every single time, because it's boring as fuck and it's not glamorous and like, there's no places to put shit. Like it's not like, you know, unless you're the Foo Fighters, you know, like it's just where they like literally build the place for it to look like they want it to look like. And you know, they should, I mean, that's what they're bringing in that revenue. For us, it's like we're stuck in a closet and there's no place to sit and things like that. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty long day. Um, You know, I and and you know, it's it's nice. My wife comes out on the road with us and is just so understanding of it all of like of how hard it is to get anything done, even though you don't have anything to do. It's just a really weird um, Thing, but you know, it's you're lonely, but you're surrounded by people and you're hungry, but you're sick of the food and you're yeah. hungover, but you want to drink more. And you know, it's just it's a really and, and it's it is like that for every single band, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of downtime, but it's downtime where you can't really go anywhere because you don't know when you're going to be needed to do something. Uh, so you sit, you watch a lot of shitty television, you know, you like, and then you know, um you know, half the time you can't go walk because it's too hot or it's too cold. I mean, Uber has been great because I mean, at least that's opened up the choices so that you're not just eating pizza every single day. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and technology has helped a lot too, but you know, I mean, I, I had, we had our, our first hits when my kids were little and really FaceTime and things like that weren't a thing yet. And so, you know, I kind of lived in the time when you couldn't be around. And, and so, you know, that cost me a marriage. And, you know, now I, I only have my kids half the time. Um, whereas like Gary, for example, you know, his kids are young still, you know, he's FaceTiming with them all day. He's talking to his wife and this and this, even when we're in other countries now, cell service is super cheap. Whereas back, you know, when I, when, when my kids were little, you know, you, you really literally couldn't even use your your UK phone, unless it was an emergency because it was, you know, $5 a minute or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, you, you like it, it's great, but you are literally there because you need that hour and 20 minutes every day. You know, it's, uh, there's a show to put on. Uh, it's fun hanging out with your friends and um, and all of that. And, and I'm not going to lie and say that I don't have I'm not the luckiest. I am the luckiest dude in the world. I mean, I love my band. I love my crew. I love, I love it. I, our fans are, you know, Kerrang magazine just named us that we have the, in the, we're in the top 13 best fan bases in, in music and awesome. I, you know, That's yeah. Great. And, and I agree with it. And, and if you guys know anything about my band, you will too. Um, so I, you know, <sighs> It's a it's just different. It's a it's a different world. And it's way different than people think it is. And, you know, you're not just uh, and, you know, sometimes people you'll just say, they'll say, well, what hotel are you guys at? You're like, well, we don't sleep in hotels. You know, well, (laughs) well, well, wait a minute. What? Yeah, I think most people probably don't even know that. Most bands don't even get hotel rooms. You sleep on the bus. Yeah. Well, so if your bus doesn't have a shower, that means that you're at the mercy of either, you know, your tour manager being able to figure out the timing for you to get a get a day day room, you know, go there and shower or ho- now venues often have showers. But there's little things, little inconveniences. A lot of people don't understand that you can't shit on a tour bus. So if you're in the middle of of nowhere and you have to take a shit. Hot bag it you there exactly <laughs> and uh, there's ways to go about it but it is not pleasant it's perhaps like some of the most degrading you know things that you ever have to do so so yeah i mean you know you could it, you can do the pros and cons but again it all goes back to being able to entertain people make people smile doing that show watching people sing along to these songs that you wrote before they were born you know um It's uh, you you know, the rewards are amazing, but uh, the workload and the uh, the sacrifices are 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 high.
2: So a little story just to add some some funny. Uh, We had a crew guy named Rat. He was our stage manager uh, at the time. And we pulled up to a venue in Kansas and it was middle winter snows everywhere. Their heater apparently had broken. So we didn't do the show um and while we were waiting to get into the venue uh you know because everybody wakes up in the morning first thing you have to do is take a damn shit like that's rat- the first thing you yeah. have to do and then here comes we're all sitting in the front lines waiting on on the update to see if we're going to roll or not and then here comes rat running as fast as he fucking could right by us and we all just looked at each other and like he just run by us with a with a with a bag of shit. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he just did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we call that the whiz bang because you uh line <laughs> the toilet with the with it uh with the with a trash bag, and then you do what you gotta do, you put it all in there, and then you put that bag in another bag because that bag's wet, <laughs> so and then you right, and then you seal the top of it, and then you whiz bang it out the bus door right? so, you know, exactly. go 65 down the road.
2: <laughs>
1: Precisely, exactly <laughs> what happened. aim for street signs. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh.
3: exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man the road good times yeah, yeah sure. mm. um for me um the uh, you know uh I, like you know i've told my story so many different times but uh i'm sure you w- will be able to r- relate uh for me the road and touring is really i had i, I think i had anxiety before Mm. Um, but, but that's really where it manifested, you know, and became a problem. Like, I mean, tour dates would go up and I'd literally lock up and in a sweat, panic attack and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, because there was so much mental abuse on the road. Um, I mean, I joked about it all the time, but I literally quit seven times on the, on a tour. But I never left the tour, you know what I mean? Um, and you know, lead singer El Nino had Christian on and he was joking how I like bailed outside the bus while it was while it was rolling in Switzerland and snow and he was like, Fuck you, but uh and then somehow they got me back in the bus. Um, you know, that was exaggerated a little bit, but that's that really did happen and I would tape notes to my the top of my bunk and stuff like that to remind myself how fucking furious I was the night before. Um, and then be just wake up, see it and fucking crumble it, rip it into shreds. So it, I could get rid of the evidence really, really fast before right. I confronted people. You know what I mean? So it did a lot of damage to me and it took me a long time to recover from it. I'm doing well now. But um, did, uh, did any of that stuff kind of happen with you? Did did touring or any negative things on the road really affect you in any way?
0: Well, can I ask you a question first? Was she the sure. group of people that you were with or would, was it like that? No matter the tour. Um, it, it,
2: it's one person in particular, uh, uh, you know, the I band's manager. Yeah, you okay. probably do. <laughs> OK. Um,
0: so, OK, that's yeah, that's because. So here is where I'm lucky when I'm touring. Um, we're all still best friends and I run everything. So i I am really lucky in that I can decide some you know if if I need something or what I can figure it out. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: whereas in your job, I don't envy you because your job as a TM is to make sure everybody else is happy before you're happy. And that's that's really yep. tough. Not that I don't do that. I have the happiest band and the happiest crew in the world, and they will all tell you that whether I'm in the room or not. Um, but yeah, so um, I'll just get into my story if you guys want to about the uh, about anxiety and depression, because I know that's what we talk about a lot here. Um, Is that is this time? Is it time for me to talk about that? Oh, fire
2: away, (laughs) brother. By all means, man.
0: I had my panic attack on the road. Um, I was in the UK sold out tour. I had zero things to be stressed about, but I was missing home and uh, I woke up. And I just thought I was having a fucking heart attack. I really did, but I, it was just the weirdest feeling and I couldn't breathe and I didn't know what to do. And I went down, my brother was actually on the tour with us and, um, they had went across the street to a restaurant. So I, I jumped out of the bus and went over there and I, had never had this feeling before. I couldn't make eye contact with anybody, and the more people spoke to me, the more it stressed me out and just made me continually just ball up and just – like I just – I I had – it was just the weirdest feeling. So that was really isolated. I got through that, Um, was pretty sure that I just had my first panic attack, and then I – had another one or two, you know, over the course of the next few years, but I, I didn't any anxiety I'd felt up until the point where it became a problem. I guess I just always felt as just some, you know, uh, um, I guess just some unnecessary nervousness for whatever. And I, I, I never really could pinpoint my triggers or anything like that. Uh, but I started going through a divorce, and um, my divorce was my, uh, my wife had, had had an affair, and then I admitted to some stuff that I had done, and so we went into counseling for quite some time, and uh, it was brutal. It was really brutal, and it was something to where I really wanted to not get divorced, and I think she was just done, and I don't blame her because I had been pretty much gone for you know seven, eight years. Uh, You know, I I didn't really miss anything for my kids because I would always make sure I was home for that, but I really wasn't home for her, Um, and I I admit it. Um, You know, punk rock cost me that relationship. Um there's a happy ending by the way. So, so nobody get too crazy, but that's Mm -hmm. when I really felt anxiety for the first time and it just got worse and worse. And then I found myself, uh, you know, I was, I had been doing really well. I was in good shape and, and I was really motivated. I was really productive. And I just found myself in a funk to where I could, I could basically get up and get my kids go to school And then I would come home and I would have a list of things to do and I would just get in my bed in the fetal position and lay there until I absolutely had to do something. I had to feed a dog or feed a kid or pay a bill or, you know, talk to my manager like I was going to be productive and then I just wouldn't do anything. Um, And that it was like that for a couple of years Um, and uh, it it was pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, in, in that time I met my wife who you know is my wife now we had a a kid and 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 she was there with me through all that and didn't you know didn't um she she was just always really really super supportive and it took a while for me to get diagnosed I went to a therapist um I I was honest with my doctor I learned about uh, you know communication different kind of medications but it took me over 18 months to get the meds correct to Mm. where it didn't either just completely you know shut me down or you know make me more anxious or there was this or this problem and then i had i would get like a cocktail that worked for like a month and then it you know would just just fucking bail on me and i would just be like worse than i was and so between all of that um i learned that i had major fucking depression and so uh for those who are listening to this right now um you know you can probably imagine what that was like for me because I'm in the fun band. I'm also considered to be, you know, somewhat of a comedian. And I'm always happy. And um I didn't I that diagnosis was both fucking devastating for me. And it was also a huge weight off my shoulder. At least there was some reason why I was feeling the way that I was, but I was just devastated and that, like, I just could not understand why. I think a lot of people hear the word depression and they think it means sad. Well, it doesn't. It's, that's not, I mean, it does that you're depressed, but you can be depressed and then you can have depression. Those are, you know, they're different things. And so, um, you know, I had a, I had a real rough go of it. I gained a lot of weight. I'm still really heavy. Um, and then, so that I would get depressed about my weight and, that would make me even more, you know, and then I, but I couldn't get motivated to exercise. And then I couldn't get motivated, you know, it, it just this fucking snowball. Yeah. It was a, it was a vicious, it was yes. a vicious cycle. Just a vicious cycle, man. And, uh, you know, it was really hard because, you know, people, you know, people are mean, but people are also just, uh, observant. And so, you know, all of a sudden on the internet, everybody's talking about how fat I am and all of this. And it's just like, okay, well that, you know, and I'm just trying to exist and be happy. And, you know, and, and then you, you also don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that just goes, I'm fat cause I'm depressed or this is this cause I'm depressed or blah, blah, blah. I'm not blaming anything on anything. And I, and I don't, I never meant to do that. So really I just kept it all inside. Well, I, and, I, and to
1: be fair, a lot of times, you know, medication will do that to you too.
0: Yeah. 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 You're right. And I, and I, so I, um, yeah, exactly. And so I just balled it up and didn't say anything to anybody. In fact, I didn't even tell my band and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I even told my best friend. It was just, you know, my wife is my best friend, obviously, but I have a best friend that's a boy and a best friend that's a girl. And then I have my wife too. So I'm, I'm real lucky. Um, but I kept it inside. And then I just by just insane happenstance, I got a, um, I got an email from a guy who used to be in a band in in and around Dallas and who is a really, Uh, well-decorated therapist now. And he was starting a thing called um, Beyond the Stigma, I think it's called. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. And so essentially I was kind of forced to learn about my own issues and go and fucking talk about it and realize a few things. And I, I didn't want to have a cause, you know, I never really wanted to have like a problem and, and, and be like the dude who, you know, would just talked about his issues and shit all the time. So this was a one-time deal. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go share my story. Well, I shared my story with Peter and, um, the response to it was, uh, if I could just say fucking insane, I mean, like people out of the woodwork just telling me that I saved their lives that like that they're gonna go get there you know that they're just now they don't feel alone that they're just you know that then and, and I mean it was this barrage and but I even told my publicist at the time I'm just like listen I don't want to be asked about this like this is not something I'm just going to carry with me I'm in the happy band and yada yada but gradually um I realized that I had to be the guy or one of the guys that talked about it you know, we started losing people like crazy. It's just, you know, Chester and Chris and, you know, all of this insane because of this, this, this thing. And there's just so many musicians who it's just so common in our world and, and not just musicians, but, you know, just in, in the music industry It's such a common thing. And it's so common in and around the people who listen to our songs that if I didn't say something, I was doing other people a disservice and I was like, well I'm not gonna fucking do that. And so, you know, I just opened it all up and just spewed my guts and, you know, and here we are. You know, now I have a platform and I talk about my own struggles and I still have issues and I um <clears throat> you know and I I try and uh I just try and be just completely honest with my audience at all times. You know, so when I'm doing an on online show even Right now, during all of this, I'll fucking just tell them like, hey, uh, I'm going to I'm going to do the best I can. But, you know, like I'm super anxious right now. And, um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, you know, because when the covid thing started, I was a wreck and I couldn't figure it out. And I still really haven't quite. Fig- well, I guess I kind of have, it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll talk in circles for a second. But when the covid thing happened, I just found my I was a mess. I, I was this is so fucked up because I'm not I mean, it's fine. I'm staying home or canceling shows like we're going to be OK and I'm not scared to get sick or anything. And I don't think my kid's going to get sick and my wife and blah, blah, blah. Like we're doing what we have to do. I'm not it's not not that I'm Uh, I, I just don't I don't understand. Well, I finally figured it out is that, you know, my life has been on a calendar for 25 plus years that yeah. like at, like. I, I am, as, as you said, you know, like I'm, I'm, I just wait for the tour dates to pop up and then I know what I'm going to do. And like I know what I'm, gonna, and all of a sudden I had months with just, it was just blank. And for some reason that just put all of that, Anxiety back in me. And so that's why I started doing the online shows, basically doing things like this to where if you're asking me if I want to talk about it, fuck yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, like, I, cause, <laughs> you know, I'll leave this right now and just feel like I was just in a therapy session and, and it will help me. And, you know, then I hope somebody hears it and they're like, well, fuck, if that guy can get help than anybody can because he's a fucking dickhead or whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, but yeah. So, I, you know, so going back to the road, uh, yeah, it, it does. It does. It does sort of breed anxiety. The problem with it is, too, though, is that we don't treat ourselves well um, on the road. We drink a lot. Um, You know, we're famous for that. We love to party. We fucking act like we're, we're not party. We just drink. We don't like I, I forget sometimes that party means that you do coke. Uh, never done that. <laughs> my brother told me My brother told me I'd like it too much, so I was always scared to try it. Um. But yeah, so you well, it's, know, only, it's almost a form of self-medication. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's you know what it is. It's fucking boredom. You pour yes. alcohol on the boredom. You really do. Like you're sitting there all day just counting down to where somebody else opens up a beer. So you can because you're just like, I'm fucking dying here. Plus, you know, you're lonely and you're tired and you're you know, you're it's you know, you miss your wife. You miss your kids like so their stresses at home that you can't help with. And it's not. Your wife's fault that she is stressed about it, and then you kind of have to take that, you know, from that side or whatever. And there's relationships where it's where it works, and there's relationships where it doesn't. Obviously, I've been in both. Um, but you know, you, there's just a lot, and the world is going on, you know. And um, you know, I have a band to run, and I'm a voice actor, and I do, you know, I have two other bands, and there's just a lot of things just circling around in your brain. And so you can't, you're, you're right. You just want to just pour a couple of beers on it and do a shot of whiskey and go make people laugh. And, uh, you know, so, um, but you know, so I should say this, I'm good, man. I, um, I, I did end up finding the right medications. Uh, I do still see a doctor regularly. Um, though I am heavy. I do see a doctor about, uh, you know, uh, get normal physicals and it hasn't affected me that much. Um, I've got high blood pressure, but that actually is, uh, hereditary. So, you know, I, you know, I, I continually try and get motivated to get the weight off me, but I do have to take care of myself mentally first. Otherwise I will just implode and, um, I can't do that, man. I've got to be here for, for my wife and my kids. And then for, there's a lot of people that depend on me to, to be okay. And so. I, uh, and you know, I want me to be okay. You know, I, 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 I didn't like that time in my life. I really didn't. I was just, I I was never to the point of like suicide or anything like that, but I was definitely to the point of just like, fuck it, all of it, you know, just fuck it.
2: <laughs> you yeah. Know? You and, and I have, you and I have very similar stories, uh, like all, all of it really. Uh, you know, I you know, when I gained the weight from medication and stuff like that, uh, I was finally able to shake it off, but, uh, um, I kept telling myself, like, I want to be a happier fat guy, or I don't want to be, the, I, I don't want to go back to, to the way it was. Right. I can't, it was too, it was too unhealthy. It was too sickening. It was too overwhelming. Mm. It was too, all of those things, you know? Um, and you know, uh, once I started to, you know, we, we kind of talk about it on the show all the time. Once I had the aha moment, um, and started to go down the road of exploring medications and whatnot and finally got it right after a few months. Um, you know, even I'd ask my wife randomly and be like, can you tell? And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm like, there'd be little things like if I would come home and there'd be some on the counter, I'd flip the fuck out because I got OCD, right? And I don't want shit all over the counter. Right. Now, it's just there's shit everywhere. And I'm just like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's funny that you would say that. So I... I have a thing where I I like so I don't feel the effects of caffeine. I I just don't ever feel the effects of it. And so I didn't I don't feel the effects of things like Xanax and things like that. So I don't take Xanax uh, unless I have uh, unless I have like a if I wake up and I'm just I can take it if I need it, you know, Mm -hmm. but even then, like. Whereas somebody takes it to become on a flight or they're, they're like, I don't want to take that. I don't want to drink because I just took a Xanax. Like, I don't feel it like that. I can't, I mean, I've never felt euphoric or like that. I don't give a fuck or anything like that on medication ever in my life. Like I, it just, it doesn't affect me that way. Um, you know, actually that's not true. I had Vicodin one time and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I it was valium when i got my vasectomy i had i had a Valium. that shit was dope but i'm <laughs> <laughs> well, it's for
2: complimenting drugs here like when i was in the hospital after my, my car accident uh they put me on dilaudid now, dilaudid, that, that dilaudid
1: is the only thing that i've only ever been stoned once in my life and it was on dilaudid so yeah i'm with like- <laughs>
2: that 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 shit is intense Dude. um intense.
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Like, you know, like we, we've, I don't, I have never really been that much of a pothead, but now, you know, we're adults. I'll eat a gummy every once in a while. And it, it's hard for me to find like the right amount because I either am like way too high or I don't feel anything. And so it's just, so I I can, I I, I was, the reason why I said this is because when you were asking your wife, like, Hey, how's my, you know, what's going on? That's the same with me. I, I kind of had to just like go by what people were telling me. And, you know, sometimes she would say, you're being really aggressive. And I was like, man, I really don't feel like I am. Like, I I don't feel that way. And and mm. she, you know, I, but I'm not going to sit there and say, you're wrong because that's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I... For me, it was always motivation because she would compliment my progress, you know. Sure. Um, I never – I didn't have – I didn't – you know, and I have hereditary blood pressure as well. Um, and when they were tweaking with that stuff, I mean, there were times I'd be dri- driving to work after I took the medication or whatever. And I, all of a sudden, my head felt like it was about to pop off. And I'm doing, like, 60 miles an hour or 30. And I'm, like, raging the fuck out. And then I have to go to the doctor. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you clearly this is not the right – yeah. uh type of medication for you that took some time to figure out as well mm. um so yeah i you know whenever i able to approach her and be like hey do you notice anything how's this how's that you know it was always positive stuff usually um so yeah. that helped that helped it was good motivation for me
0: i think it's important for your listeners to know and you guys probably talk about this all the time it maybe it's all just it's good to hear it from somebody else is that uh there's no magic pill so you know in working with my doctor you know and people can get frustrated. And in fact, I will say that somebody that lives in my house, I won't mention them, but they're the mother of my child, uh, <laughs> also gets frustrated <laughs> when she's having issues and, and they and the, and the first thing doesn't work. Um, like I said, it took me 18 to 24 months. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's just not that 18, 24 months to try to get the medications right. And, you know, it can be really frustrating. And I think some people tend to want to give up, you know, and tend to think, okay, maybe this isn't going to work, this kind of thing. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, you got to be at least patient, but I was, I, I needed something. I knew I needed help. And so I was patient as I could be. Um, but yeah, I, uh, but so anyway, I got the medications to where that, where they were supposed to be and I was doing fine. Uh, I'm good, you know, but I, uh, I have these crying spells. And, um, so I'll just be somewhere and, uh, it's, it's not really ever really around people. It'll be just, you know, I'll be like walking through the garage, you know, from the golf cart to my door and I'll does just, some, start. does
2: something trigger it? No,
0: nope. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it just happens and I'll just cry for a minute, two minutes and I'm fine. Nothing leading into it. Nothing coming out of it. And then um, I'm good. So I talked to my doctor about it, and he was like, "You know, we could up your meds and probably make that go away." But you know, where are you with everything else? I'm like, "Well, I'm good." He's like, "Well, how's anxiety? Anxiety's good. Well, you know, how's creativity? Creativity's really good. You know, I'm on fire right now. Everything's great." And he's just like, "You know, why don't we go status quo? Let's just leave things as it is, unless." those spells have become a problem and they haven't. So, you know, I am, um, I do tend to be a little bit more emotional. Um, when I'm like watching a television show or something like that than I used to be, but I've always been like kind of just one of those dudes that, um,
2: the same way I'm super sensitive, man. Like, uh, uh, if, if a movie's like, I I hate the fact that Armageddon gets played. Like I, I feel like maybe twice a month. You know, or something like that. And it's always on and it always goes to a certain part. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm just a fucking mess. Yeah. Compl- I, I I've probably watched that movie no lie like 60 times and every single time I'm a total wreck. Total I, fucking wreck.
0: Dude. Like I there's an <laughs> insurance commercial where all it is is just this lady walking down the street holding hands with this little girl, like walking away from the camera. And I was just like, oh, I was a fucking <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's just one of those things where, and again, I, I, I've always been like that. I mean, I've always cried at movies. That's always been a thing, you know? Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's the thing is that for someone who is just now seeking treatment, don't expect the magic pill because it just doesn't exist. You know, it, it's, well, yeah,
2: it, it doesn't happen right away.
0: Things. Yeah. You get, you 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 got to get to that point where you're good. You know, where you and you're, you're existing and that you're able to do the things that you're supposed to do each day. And then, uh, you know, you if you need to tweak it, you just be honest with your doctor.
2: Yeah. And I think like, you know, with anxiety, too, I think anxiety and being anxious is is. You know, it's a natural thing. Right. I think everybody sure. probably experiences some level of anxiousness, uh, anxiety wise. And for me, you know, that's never going to go away. Like yeah. I'm still going to feel anxious and stuff like that. But I'm not a complete wreck, like a, a mess like I used to be. I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't have a relationship with my folks, my parents, or anything like that, but um, I'm very close with my in laws, and they, you know, before COVID and all that kind of stuff, it was like every Friday, every Saturday, or Sunday, or whatever. Uh, and I'm not complaining, please, I'm not complaining, it was always a good time, but they like to wine and dine and you know, have like two hour dinners and shit like that, and I'd be at the table, like like yeah. one of, you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean yeah. and and i know they could see it and cuz i i you know the the conversations were kind of hard to keep up with cuz mm-hmm. i got my wife's mom and dad and they're talking about life stories and i'm not involved in any of them and they're talking about relatives and stuff and i it was hard for me to kind of find my way in you know and so i would cl- you know, slowly but surely, kind of just lose myself, and then I think they're looking at me. I think they're judging. You know, I was like, oh, and then I try to chime in, and then I'm like, oh, that sounded stupid as shit. Why did you just right. say that? Or all that kind of stuff. And now all that's changed. Now I'm a completely different person. Uh, oh. When we go to dinner or when we go have holidays and stuff like that, you know, my 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 father in law consistently busts my balls. Every time I see him, and he'll like he used to, he kind of figured out that I was anxious, and he'd go make me hug people and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> <"Fuck> you man, <laughs> like, that's and he awesome. He still does it, but dude, um, you know what's but,
0: funny like, is how 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 interesting that goes both ways though, because I'm a hugger, mm-hmm. and so now it makes me anxious to walk in a room and not hug everybody. Oh, like, dude, I'm uh, totally the same way. It's fucking with my head, man. Like I, it's, you know, it's, cr- I mean, I hug everybody. I, if I meet you, I hug you when we leave. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. it, pretty much if we just met. And I mean, I do it at business meetings. Like i fucking hug, you know, yeah. I turn non-huggers into huggers. <laughs>
2: yeah. But no, man, no, I, I, I'm saying, I'm
0: saying it's been brutal, man. Just, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I think with things like that, I've learned. Like for the dinner thing of you sitting there or whatever, I've just learned that I have to excuse myself, and then come back, and then later I just send a text and go, "Hey, sorry for excusing myself during during dinner." Um, you know, I'm doing my best with this anxiety thing, and um, you know, and, and and I just try to be just brutally honest all the time. I wish
2: I wish I could have been able to do that because when all this was happening, I was still a smoker. So I would literally, you know, nobody else smoked at the table. So when I would leave, you know, I always get poked fun at, but I wanted to go smoke a cigarette just to check out for a second. And I was, I was at that stage where I'm the guy, I can't tell these people that I have super crazy anxiety. You know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to know that. So um, you know, after all this, you know, kind of I got fixed, per se, and got medicated. I'm like a, a crazy advocate for Zoloft. Um, It saved my life. But I did a local radio show interview Um, when when all this uh, this podcast started kind of thing. And they got really excited and wanted to wanted to tune in. And, you know, I, it didn't bother me that they did. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that they were proud of me for, you know, getting, being on the air and stuff like that which I would have never been able to do before, but um, they listened to the whole thing and they were like, shit, it yeah. all makes sense now. And mm-hmm. I had been married to my wife for since 2011 and this happened last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for them to get me now and then the rest of the family started coming out being like, oh, you know, you know, uh, aunt Jane and blah." Yeah. They went through this, that, and the other, and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Just but it. it's like, but it made, made me feel significantly better that mm-hmm. they were cognizant Of the fact that, look, you know, I battle this shit. And if something goes really weird, I can still have those emotions, still have that anxiety uh, creep up on me, even though uh, there's medication involved and whatnot. So um, but, you know, they've always been super supportive. And uh, when that happened that day, that was pretty, pretty rad because, uh, yeah, like I said, just a whole bunch of light was shed and they were just like, oh, shit. okay, now I get it. (laughs)
0: It's She's nice weird. to have somebody in your life, you know, my wife can just sense it and she'll go, she'll just whisper, are you anxious? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm dying and she'll, cause again, you, you're not ever cured. We're going to have this forever. You know, it's not, you know, this is just something though we got, I got it late in life. It's here now, man, this is it, you know, yep. and I'm yep. always going to have those times and and I don't have triggers. I really don't. I, a lot of people do, um, Sometimes I wish I did because I would love to be able to pinpoint it and just stay away from those things, but at the same time, you know, you can tell me that beer is fattening and I'm still going to drink it. So maybe I wouldn't anyway, but so, you know, I, I, um, you know, my wife's super understanding and, you know, if I need to, if we're having a party at our house and I just need 10 minutes, you know, to go, can I just go, I'm just going to go in my room and just I'm for 10 minutes and I'll be fine. And, and I, I almost always am uh, but, you know, having that communication with your spouse, uh, you know, now looking back at past relationships when I didn't have communication, whether or about that or or anything, um, communication is a fucking game changer, man. And it and is actually just and it took, you know, me literally spiraling downward to figure that out. And so that's the first thing that I say to somebody. And, and again, I, I am an open book. People find me. On Instagram, people find me on on Facebook or whatever, and they ask me. I'm going to tell them, but the first thing I always say is, "Man, find a friend, find a relative, find somebody, and just talk about it. Get it out there. Just because, man, it's it's you. Just will you'll catch your breath, and it'll go. You'll go. Oh, okay, I can breathe for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a uh, we we've we've kind of put it out there so much that our fan page has taken it upon themselves. To start a support page on Facebook. So there's a Bowling for Soup mental health awareness page where they have four or five people always ready, always on there. Just if you just need somebody to talk to. And it's unreal. I mean, and they get on there and they talk about their issues. None of them are therapists. They don't pretend to be. But you just can have a friend. You know, and you can have somebody with with similar issues and, and things like that. And you have common interests in music and pop punk and things. And, you know, that helps. And um, when I started to lose weight, I started a page called four years fat on uh, Facebook. I have still not lost the weight, but a bunch of other people have. So, you know, if you put <laughs> yourself out there, at least you can help other people.
1: I'm <laughs> yeah. saying, Are you one of those guys like I am where, you know, you could walk into a restaurant with somebody and order a salad and they'll order the right side of the menu and you're sitting there with your salad and they're eating the right side of the menu and like people give you the stink eye because just looking at the size of you they think you should be the one eating the right side of the menu
0: um you know it's not really I've, I've i've gotten that and it's annoying yeah, as shit right you know i i don't <laughs> i don't really eat out of the ordinary i mean my my weight gain isn't really that um i choose the wrong meals as much as it is like i eat really late at night right before bed i do like to drink you know um it's just not living the right way more than anything again i i i don't really i don't eat a lot of red meat i don't you know i don't really eat a lot of fried food in fact if we eat like fried food or whatever like i like if we order chinese or whatever and it's all fried or whatever, i can go for a week without doing that again um I've discovered you know, air I've discovered air fryers. I gotta fucking get one of these things. I've just heard about this thing. My uh somebody was just posting about it. They're phenomenal. But I'm yeah, all
2: Instapot pressure cooker, man. That thing. That thing.
0: I gotta get on. So we have one of those. I never really just took the chance to got the chance to figure it out. You know, I'm uh I'm fucking busy. <laughs> <laughs> so we are um so I've had a green egg. Since I turned forty, those things are great. It's, it's awesome. However, it's a time fuck, right? Because they charcoal yeah. grill in that it does take twenty to forty minutes just to get it ready. So we're building a pool, and I'm I putting in an outdoor kitchen, which I wasn't gonna do, but I've just decided. You know what? Fuck it, man. We ought to be able to grill, and I'm putting in a uh, a hibachi. And so I'm gonna be grill be able to grill some meat, and throw some vegetables on the hibachi, and there's no reason we can't cook at home and eat somewhat healthy. And right, so you know that'll take some of that off. But you know I'm I'm with you, Brandon. I mean I just finally had to decide, you know, despite the judgment of you know some of the people in my life, fans, you know, who you know if somebody's a fan of my shit, then you're gonna be a fan no matter what my appearance is. You know, and don't fucking use my weight as some fucking, you know, you being on some mission to save me or some shit. and Like, talk about my fucking health like you know me and and that people tend to do that. Right. All of a sudden, oh, my God, you're going to get type two diabetes. You don't fucking know me. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't just walk up to somebody in the airport and tell them that they're fucking fat. You know, I don't deserve that just because I wrote some good songs. I don't deserve to be treated that way. And no. so I just have to sort of let all of that shit go and be a happy fat guy. And so when I, when I start to try to lose weight and I fail, I don't beat myself up about it. I'm a human being, and there's nothing about just – again, I, I'm i fucking famous as shit, but it doesn't mean I'm not a human being. Right. And, right. Um, you
2: know, so – And people prob- probably – can't, don't even understand that the pressure a front a front person, you know, lead vocalist of a band goes exactly. through when yeah. they go through challenges like that. Cause I I know personally some some uh some lead uh vocalists that uh you know they you know you get older and you start to gain a little bit of weight and you know yeah. it gets out of hand sometimes, maybe sometimes it does not and then you've got the record labels going in and be like, hey, you need you need to you gotta you gotta yeah. you know you gotta lose lose twenty or something like that. Yeah, That's a lot. lot of pressure.
0: Well, and I was a fat kid, so I was a fat kid, I got skinny, got famous, and got fat again, you know, it's, I've never had a good metabolism, if you ever see photos of me when I was skinny, I was skinny because I wasn't fucking eating anything, (laughs) like, I was literally just, like, starving myself and just drinking, you know, and, you know, there's, you know, it was nice, it was nice to be thin, it was, it was good, but I don't know, man, I just had to choose to be, as you said, man, you nailed it, happy fat guy. And I I'm
2: or miserable, skinny dude
0: or a miserable, skinny guy. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah. I choose the latter. You know, oh, I, yeah. I've lived a great life and I continue to, and you know, it's one of those things. I don't, I, don't, I didn't mean to sort of switch to the weight thing, but you know, with oh, well, me, no,
1: I mean, it's something everybody can relate to. Uh, you're you're sitting there talking. I would say you're sitting there talking and I swear to God, I feel like I'm having a conversation with myself because yeah. I, much like you, I was always the big guy, but I was the big athletic guy. And, right. you know, I got really sick in '07. i I've talked about it in other episodes, and I, and I almost died from a MRSA infection. Jesus Christ. And that triggered autoimmune issues that mm. I didn't even know I had. And as a result, since 2007, I've literally gained 125 pounds. Yeah. And it's like my doctor looks at me and, and chuckles. She goes, you could live on grilled chicken and lettuce leaves and spend 12 hours a day in a gym, and it's not going to matter right now you right. know so that's why that's why you know when you were talking about um you know when you started going down this road and I you know I asked you you know where it kind of came from that, that that's kind of where I was going with that when you were talking about the medication and things like that and, and you know people automatically assume oh well you're fat you've got a food issue and it's like no sometimes people have other things going
4: on
0: yeah that's just and that, well that was really the thing that really used to set me off when I first started gaining weight because it's like, you know, man, I can have fucking thyroid cancer. You don't fucking know. Like, right. you don't, you know, I, and I don't know, man. I've just never, and I hope I'm not raising the kind of people who would just say things, you know. And, and you know what? We actually almost started talking about this earlier. We almost, I don't know. We almost hit on the internet. Actually, no, that was on the, my podcast. But fuck it. I'm going to talk about it here. <laughs> I was doing an episode of Rockstar Dad before I got on here. And I'm, I'm on a bit of a Facebook tear. Today because i i all of a sudden everybody's a medical expert and everybody's a fucking you know politician and all that you're
1: just figuring that out that everything
0: on the internet is like i'm not just figuring it out but <laughs> this, really this mask thing has really got me pissed off because both sides of it are being assholes but really the non-wearers are being bigger dicks right and here's the thing it's it doesn't it regardless of that Just the internet – so this will segue back into our conversation. The internet is just such an interesting thing for people to hide behind because people say things on the internet that they wouldn't say to your fucking face. Keyboard cowboys. Exactly, and so I will 100% just say that I don't ever type something ever that I wouldn't say to somebody's face. And especially if I'm tagging them in it or directing it that. So when I go back and think about when I first started gaining weight, some of the things that people were saying to me, and then I see that person at a show or whatever, and they're scared to talk to me or they fucking start crying because we walk out. Or whatever. And I'm like, man, you know, like, why don't you just, what is it about having somebody read your words that makes you just want to say things that you wouldn't say? You know, and who does that? So I, I hope that I'm raising children. I think I am, that wouldn't just attack somebody without knowing. You know what the fuck they're they're even going through. You know, I don't know what the I, what why that person's gained weight. I don't I don't know.
2: I think it. I think it boils down to chemical imbalances, man. Like every time, you know, we've interviewed all different kinds of people and like radio hosts. know like when they post something on social, and that one asshole decides to be an asshole, and it kind of ruins your day or whatever. I was just talking to Jerry about the last episode that we did because we had to pull an audible when uh when all 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 y'all's dogs started throwing up on each other. Um. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least mine didn't have the spray shits, but yeah. yeah. Mine were mine were going out the other end. To be fair, they yeah. Keep- uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> but anyway,
2: I don't know what came over me during during that podcast, that show last week. But I went on, I, I went on a, a, a really solid rant for a little bit um and and jerry cut cut down the promo for it for it and right out of the gate the first word out of my mouth is white privilege and i go on the rant and i'm like damn like okay well i i just had a bad feeling about posting not not bad feeling but i just knew something was going to come back and sure shit some asshole said something to me and i was just like my typical my typical my typical linebacker is uh cool story bro and they usually shut up but um you know, it, 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 that's that it just goes along with all that crazy shit, Uh, you know, in the Internet and the people that say what they have to say. But you know what? Like you said, if someone wanted to challenge me in the street about what I said or what I typed or any of that stuff, I would fucking verbatim give them what I said, you know, because yeah. that
0: you got to be genuine. 100 percent. You know, it's it's like Um. so I'll tell you guys this. My guilty pleasure. Is Teen Mom? I fucking love it. It's my favorite show. <laughs> I like,
1: would not have pegged that.
0: <laughs> no, nobody ever does. It's my favorite show. I absolutely love it. I watch all three versions or whatever. I ab- I love that shit, and I follow some of them on Instagram because it's interesting for me to see because they're always like uh nine ten months behind. So like you can see like hey I'm on vacation or I'm having another baby you know whatever, and I love this shit. I love it, but they. You know, but the things that people type to those girls or to those dudes that are on that show, like they know from a 23 minute episode, you know, I'm sorry, that's an hour thing. So they know from 46 minutes of television, everything about those people's lives, you know, Mm -hmm. it is just crazy to me, man. It's just it's nuts. And and so anyway, I don't know. Let's get back to
2: uh, my guilty pleasures. 90 day Fiance
0: okay my my wife loves that too that okay it's
2: <laughs> twisted and awesome
1: <laughs> my guilty pleasure is catfish so we'll, we'll 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 expose all of it
0: i liked catfish until it became fake yeah i, I kind of jumped was, yeah, the shark yeah it yeah it jumped yeah. the shark once they once they started faking it it was just like okay but you know I, it was great at first 100 percent. yeah because i actually have a couple of friends that have had that happen i mean it, it's it's a legitimate thing you know
1: yeah, okay. no doubt, no doubt. Well, look, real quick, we won't we won't keep you any longer. You've been Jarrett, you've been amazing. I, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Let Agreed. everybody know where they can find your podcast and, and you know all the stuff that you're up to. And I know you said you've got some new music coming. And yeah, you know, let yeah. everybody know where they can find you.
0: Follow me at J A R E T two one one three everywhere. Um, except for on TikTok, I'm just Jarrett Reddick, and uh, I just got on there and I'm fucking killing it. And uh, <laughs> a bit of a learning curve because I'm 48, but uh, I'll get it figured out. Um, yeah, Bowling for Soup, tons of stuff happening. Just go to com or find us on Facebook and like it, and uh, that'd be great. Man, I would love for your podcast listeners to try my podcast, uh, Rockstar Dad Show. It does go on to Adobe Radio every Monday and Tuesday, but it is available um, anywhere you listen to podcasts each and every Wednesday. We have awesome guests uh, that talk about parenting and the world and just whatever the hell we talk about, and of course Jarrett goes to the movies. Uh, four and a half years in, and um, you know many, many, many episodes. And we pick a movie each week, we watch it, and we talk about it, and it's great fun. So um, you know, but again, J A R E T two one one three on all of the stuff, and uh, and I'll keep you abreast of what's up, and guys. Thank you for having me, man. What a wonderful thank you platform. Yeah, and, no uh, doubt.
1: You know, much much like your 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 buddy that started the Facebook group Louder Than Stigma. You know, the whole premise of what we're doing here is just to start the conversation like you said. Yeah. You know, yeah. I come from a radio background. Brandon, mm-hmm. you know, was in radio for a while, comes from the the music background. We're just a couple mm-hmm. of guys, yeah. you know, and we've been through our own issues and, you know, like you said, you know, being able to get the word out there and show people that we're dealing with the same things they are. Uh, you know, it's yeah, I'd like to think we've made a, a pretty decent impact and, you know, we've gotten really good feedback. So, you know, that's I the know whole premise of what we do. You know, we somebody we, we had somebody on a couple of weeks ago and they were like, hey, great interview. And I'm like, it wasn't an interview. We have conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that,
0: that's what we do. And you're letting people know that they aren't alone, and that's the stigma. People are are weird about it, and you know that it, a lot of people will listen to my interview that are from the UK, and it's even more of a thing over there. You know where it's even more of a stigma. They have they have a lot less access to help, and even the help that they do get, there's a lot because they're socialist. It's a it's a it's a lot more hoops to jump through to be able to get, you know, the kind of care that we just sort of have here in the United States. Um, Although ours can be very expensive as well. So, you know, just reach out to support groups by all means. um, You know, if you're listening to this, the world is a better place with you in it and understand that and know it. And I say that with literally every ounce of of me that I can put into it. I would, uh, you know, you belong here. And please, please, please take care of yourself and talk and listen to this show.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, you know, communication is key, even if it's just yep. to, you know, find someone just to sit down and talk to for a little bit, you know, that's, yep. that's what we're here for. And, you know, we say it every week, you know, if you guys want to reach out to, to Brandon and I, you can find us on all the social media platforms. He's at Brandon Promo, P-R-O-M-O. Uh, I'm everywhere at Jerry P-Tuck, P-E-T-U-C-K. Uh, I always spell it out because it's not exactly like Smith, so
0: Uh, (laughs) Hey, go check out the Bowling for Soup fan page on Facebook, too, because that will steer you in the right direction of what I consider a – I don't even care if you hate my band. Go check it out because like-minded music fans there who all have the same things going on in their life as you do, and if you need a friend, they're there.
1: There you go. Absolutely. Make sure to follow our boy everywhere you can. Uh, you know, Every episode, well, we always try to remind you guys, if, if you feel like you're in a little bit of a crisis and need help, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's going to do it for this week. He's Brandon Thompson. He's Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Make sure to follow him everywhere. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget the hashtag. Get it out.
2: This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence.
4: We'll talk about the little strange episode that we woke up in the morning and what was lined up on the foot of our bed.
3: Toilet paper. <laughs> Uh, Bizarrely, like I woke up and there are several rolls of toilet paper lined up very neatly at the foot of MJ's side of the bed. Mm. Mm. Guys,
4: what does that mean? Sometime, th- this is like three days ago. I don't know what this means, but there were like six or eight rolls of toilet paper that were not on the foot of the bed when we went to sleep. We wake up in the morning And there are rolls of toilet paper stacked up on the end of the bed. And I have no idea how the hell they got there. Either I did it or Michelle did it in the middle of the night.
3: No, no, no. It's not either. (laughs) I I didn't do it. You did it. I
0: know what it is. What? The same alien that probed (laughs) you and then crumpled up your glasses a few months ago. You remember that? (laughs) Yeah. That alien came back. And left you some toilet paper.
4: Michelle, have you ever seen me do anything bizarre while sleeping that would indicate that I do strange things or sleepwalk? I mean, I'm not on Ambien. I don't take any crazy drugs.
3: Um... You know, the only other weird thing I can think of, like many years ago, we were when we were first married, you did roll out of bed that one time and fall on the floor. <laughs> but that's like the weirdest yeah. thing I think you've ever... I mean, you talk in your sleep. You do that. And then I try to like ask you questions to get you to well, say hold, things. hold on.
4: What do I say in my... Like, I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your yeah, sleep. A uh-huh. L- little romantics action there. Right. So what do I say in my sleep? What have you heard? It's,
3: it's usually unintelligible, actually. And so then... But then I sort of... Like, can you give me an example? What does it sound like?
4: You, you do? Old
0: Z104 breaks.
4: (laughs) (laughs) The
2: MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, MJMorningShow.com, and RadioInfluence.com.